Welcome to episode number 34 of the Ricky Long Podcast. Welcome to episode number 34 of the Ricky Long Podcast. This podcast, this was a bit of a selfish one, if I'm honest. Uh, this was a subject which I'm, I'm kind of a little bit ignorant to and I wanted to find out more about it. So I called him uh, my good friend who I've become friendly with now that I live in Scotland, uh, Harry Woodall. Harry is a personal trainer and men's physique competitor. He has done a number of shows and he has started to now bring that into his personal training business and he now coaches athletes to go through these processes and go through the shows um and it was a bit of a science lesson to be honest in many parts for me um hopefully it comes across in an educational format what harry and i kind of chat about especially off the back of the the last conversation that i had with mike trotts um, which was all about exercise addiction and relationship between exercise and mental health. Um, so Harry and I chat for a good 50-55 minutes. We talk about the social pressures of prep life, what prep life actually is. We talk about eating disorders, anorexia, bigorexia, as it's kind of affectionately being called, what training looks like and how it's changed for Harry. Um, so hope you enjoy the episode with Harry Woodall. This episode is of course still sponsored by Podium for Sport, Northern Ireland's Sports Retailer of the Year in 2018. Uh, Podium for Sport specialise in commercial gym equipment, home gym equipment and all equipment for schools including uniforms and kit and general readiness so as, as children can have physical active educations. So without further ado, I'm going to cut to the chat with Harry Whittle. And introducing my good friend, a fellow PT, Mr. Harry Whittle. Hi, Harry. Hello, everybody. Yeah, this is great. So Harry is a NABA, I need to get this right. He is a men's physique competitor. He has yeah. recently done NABA, which was the 13th of April, and PCA on the 20th of April. And Harry is also a PT and prep coach for other physique competitors who are wanting to go through similar processes. Am I correct? That's correct, yeah. Yeah, oh, good, good. Go 
<laughs> so rather than me kind of like try and punch my way out of paper bags and explain more about you, um, first thing, I'll, I know a lot of my audience or the first thing you're going to ask is what's the difference between NABA and PCA? Like why, why is there two? Okay, so different federations, um, they kind of, they score differently, but the main thing in, um, in men's physique is, which was the most important thing about me doing NABA, is men's physique is bold shots, so you wear shorts to your knees, but NABA is wearing shorts halfway up your leg, so you get to get your legs out, basically. So a lot of the men's physique guys, they kind of tend to train like two-thirds of their body, so they don't really train their legs as much. So for me, obviously, <laughs> in the gym, I had legs hard. So for me, I completely wanted to make sure I did NABA so I could get my legs out on stage this year um, and not really hide them, if you get what I mean. Um, so um, so, so one of NABA. them is for the the typical fellow who misses leg day and one is for chest and arms yeah chest and arms i'll enter that one <laughs> chest and arms uh, well listen tell us tell us a little bit about harry uh what you do what you've done and kind of what goes on in your life that's fine yeah um so um as you've already said i'm a personal trainer i think i think i've been personal training for five years it could be four and a half five years um so for, it's actually quite a funny story. Um, I first started off personal training from my flat. I've never, I've never personal trained in a commercial gym, ever. Um, so I started personal training in my flat because one of my friends said to me, I need to lose a bit of weight, so can you give me a hand? So I decided, I why not? I'll give you a hand. So I started kind of personal training her. Um, she lost like something like 100 pounds over like six months. I was like, I actually kind of know what I'm doing a wee bit. So <laughs> then I decided to start charging people. <laughs> Um, started. I did my HNC um, Higher National Certificate in Fitness, Health and Exercise and my Level 2 Fitness Instructor, Level 3 Personal Trainer kind of alongside each other um, and just from there it kind of just became something kind of big because after that I opened a gym within about a year and a half in Greenock. Um, me and one of my friends, uh, he's a um, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Instructor Thai boxing instructor, MMA instructor, basically all this stuff that where you punch people in the face and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, and then after that, probably about three, three and a half years, four years down the line, I've started personal training now in Glasgow and a, a bodybuilding gym as well. Um, that was kind of about a year, year and a half after I got into bodybuilding. Um, so yeah. Um, that's kind of where we came from. Yeah, I, I want to pull a, a couple of things out there. You said um, you did because a lot of a lot of fitness professionals will listen to this podcast. Um, so just out of curiosity, not trying to kind of gauge and pit companies against each other. Um, who did you do your level three with, and what did that look like? Like, was it a, you know a month's course? Was it a six months course? PT Academy. Um, it was um, it was on a one a one to one basis. Uh, sorry, a group basis. So it was like four of us doing it. Um, mm-hmm. It was uh, I think I'm not sure if they called it a fast track or not. So basically, yeah. um, we just met up uh, twice a week for six weeks. Um, fired through level two in three weeks. Fired through level three in three weeks. Essentially, it was just like here you go, as your bit of paper, you're a PT now. 
yeah. because I had already done the fitness, health, and exercise course for a year. Ah. Um, the HNC. So for me, it was like it was an absolute doddle. The anatomy, the physiology, nutrition side of things. It was just like honestly, it was so easy. Yeah. Um, no, I think you're right. I think a lot of these courses are, you know, the the content. If you have an interest. The yeah. content can be very, very easy. And yeah. I'm forever saying this on social media. You know, the level two and level three qualification, sorry, certification piece of paper you get, it doesn't really matter. It's all the extra stuff that you do. 100%. Cause, yeah, because yeah, the curriculum hasn't changed. And, you know, yeah. I did mine 15 years ago. And as far as I know, the curriculum hasn't really changed. Um, yeah. But the education out there available on top of that, um, that's what it is. It was a, it was like a multiple choice questionnaire. So mm. it's like you've got a twenty five percent chance of answering every single question correct. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So anyone listening out there who is looking for a PT, I mean that's how you spot the good PTs and the bad PTs. The ones who have gone who you can see evidently on social media are consistently yeah. upskilling because because being a PT, I'm not going to say it's easy to get a PT qualification. But what I'm going to say is it's easy to not do education once you have your PT qualification. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Uh, right, right. So let's uh, run through. Um, so the, the listeners know this. I just kind of run off a list of questions. Um, so you said you've been a PT four and a half, five years? Five years, roughly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what is or who is your client? Who do you train? What type of person? Pretty much everybody. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I've got all ranges of clients, you know what I mean? From young people to old people to people who have never lifted a weight in the gym to people who compete in bodybuilding um, and also run a boot camp every week as well, like three times a week. So, oh, cool. Tell me about the boot camp. What does it look the like? The boot camp. So, um, me and um, my, like, uh, we've got a, me and one of the girls, uh, we've uh, built a, but about camp together. So we decided just to, to the very, very start, about two and a half years ago, what we actually originally called it was beach camp because it was like a summer shredding type boot camp type thing. So mm-hmm. the way we structure it on a Monday, we do like a half an hour Tabata class. On a Wednesday, it's usually a kind of mix of kind of hip training, resistance training, abs training and cardio. And then on the Saturday, to be honest with you, every Saturday it's a kind of wing it day for us. So we decide, right, what are we doing today? Is it sunny outside? Let's take them out for a run. Is it raining outside? We'll keep them inside. We'll lift some weights. We'll do some cardio. We'll throw some tiles. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> um, kettlebells. Like, you know the way it is. It's just a case of just make them work really, really hard. And make sure they're enjoying it. Well, what I'm going to ask just about that is, because I know a lot of um, people on social media are going to hear this, who live in and around uh, Gurk Greenock. Um, yeah. how, how do people book into that? So my Facebook page, just all people need to do is search Hwood Personal Training. Um, and all they need to do is just send me a wee message and I'll just get them booked in for it. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I'll, I'll put so, all those links in the, the show notes. I'll put your, your Facebook and your Instagram. We'll, we'll sort that all out. That's cool. Um, so I wanted to get you on specifically to chat about, I call it quite, what's the word I'm looking for? Quite ignorantly i just call it prep life because um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have no 
personal experience of doing any of these physique shows, bodybuilder shows, fitness shows. I know they're called a lot of names and terminologies. So I want to know about your shows, what got you into it, and a little bit about prep life. Yeah, definitely. What got me into it was actually so random. Um, I actually, <laughs> funnily enough, that I compete in men's physique. This is the funniest part about it. I originally messaged a guy from Glasgow and just messaged him saying, look, I'm looking to build my legs up uh, to try and get a good bit of quads, um, bit of hamstrings. Um, is there any way you can give me a hand? So I went up, met him. Um, we probably trained together for about, what, three months or something. And then he's like, right, I think you should cut for a show, for your first show. So this was, I met him in January, and I competed in my first show in uh, January 2007, February 2017, sorry. And then I competed in my first show in June 2017. So yeah. essentially, I was really only bodybuilding training for 12 weeks before getting my first ever cut for a show. So you're cut right. your prep, essentially. Yeah. Um, that's um, that's kind of where it all stemmed from. Um, so, I always kind of, I always kind of like the idea of men's physique and um, bodybuilding and getting on stage and kind of just been a bit flashy and stuff. Let me just, <laughs> let me just pull you on your, your, your training there. So you said you started bodybuilding training. Yeah. So what, what type of training did you do before that, and what was the, the changes? You know, for the listeners. Yeah. So before I got into bodybuilding slash men's physique, I trained um, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, Thai boxing, mixed martial arts, competed in. Competed in MMA and competed in Jiu-Jitsu. Um, so essentially, the type of training I would do for that would be like strength training. So like heavy deadlifts, heavy push presses, heavy kind of bench presses, that kind of stuff just to build up my strength so you could push and pull people about a bit easier. <laughs> Whereas then moving into bodybuilding training, it's then first, the first thing I started on was a kind of bro split, right? So... Bro split. I love a bro is, split. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I look back now and I'm like, what the hell was I thinking? Um, <laughs> so, chest one day um, and triceps, obviously. Um, shoulders, um, back, legs, and arms. So, there was a, fi- a five-day split. And then on a sixth day, I would decide, right, do I want to train again? Am I going to start the night? Let's do chest again. <laughs> um, <laughs> So I, start, I started kind of um, training that way. So we would pick about four or five exercises per muscle group, um, which would be completely different from the way I used to train. Um, and I trained like that for my first kind of, for the first 12 weeks or so before getting into my first actual prep for my show. Um, so would you say your strength now is more or less than what it would have been before you started bodybuilding training? It's different. Um, my strength in some aspects, like for instance, my leg strength is like, I think my one rep max squat when I was, um, when I was doing jujitsu and MMA was probably about 140, 160. Plus I was a bit of a half rep Harry back then as well. Um, so definitely in some aspects it was less but in other aspects it was more uh-huh. um, for instance push pressing i don't even push press anymore so i could definitely push press more weight then than i can now yeah um, the reason why i asked that is because always kind of stay the same right yeah the deadlifts have stayed the same the, the reason why i ask is because people on my social media will constantly hear me um 
talk about the bro split and how I th- I think the bro split is it's what most men do when they start training, yeah. um, and they often do it for the wrong reasons. So yeah. most most people start going to the gym to fat loss and tone up, and it's it's yeah. why gyms are invented and it's why gyms are so successful. Yeah. Um, but they'll turn up and they'll do the bodybuilding split, which yeah. can have quite it's a really really inefficient way of yeah, getting fit and toning up because yeah. we're think, not burning the maximum amount of calories i think, like, I think um, when it comes to a split for somebody who's looking to really split a resistance training split before obviously adding in cardio and stuff like that but i think for a resistance split, split you need to kind of look into it and say how many days is this guy free then yeah. is he only free three days a week okay give him three upper body, uh, give him three full body days is he only free four days a week? Give him two upper body days and two lower body days. And if he's free five days a week, then I think you would be like, right, push, pull, legs, push, pull, or push, mm. pull, legs, legs, push, or some sort of push, pull, legs variation. Yeah. Um, because you're getting a lot of bigger movements done. Um, yeah. And in those days, which you're obviously burning a lot more calories and a lot more compounds. I just wanted to clarify that because a lot of my listeners will be on this and thinking, hey, I've seen Ricky Long slag off the bro split before and now he's talking to this guy as if he's totally into the bro split. That's like different audiences. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's got so, its pros and cons, definitely. Yeah. Um, so away from training, what about um, eating? Eating? How did your eating look before you decided to do your first show? How did it look on your first show? And how has that evolved to now? So before my first show, what we did is we kind of did a progressive bulk. So I think off the top of my head, I'm going to say we started on about 2,500 calories. So over the 12 weeks, what we did is each week we upped the calories by 50. So mm-hmm. um, I think that worked out. We finished off in about 3,100 or something like that. I think it was six, 600 calories we, we put in anyway um, over, the, over the 12 weeks. So each week we just upped it by 50, upped it by 50 by 50 um, and that way obviously I was getting a little bit bigger each time I put on maybe like four or five kilo um, mm-hmm. over the 12 weeks obviously not all of that was muscle but I mean it's, 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 it's virtually impossible to put five kilo of muscle on in 12 weeks <laughs> even, though <it's, laughs> even though you can lose that amount of fat in 12 weeks you can't yeah. put that amount of muscle on um, so before and each week I would have had a cheat meal as well so uh, obviously a Domino's if you know me if anybody on here knows me don't know straight to Domino's for me <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, what's what's the thinking behind the the bulking so why is it why do people do because let me explain this as concisely as i can why do people deliberately put on knowingly fat before then trying to strip it off why is that the accepted way of doing it so um when it comes to, I, I don't really like using the term bulk too much anymore. Um, I think when you use the term bulk, you think, right, I can eat whatever the hell I want. Sure. So, I like to see it as a gaining phase. And when I say gaining, I mean gaining muscle. Now, you know yourself, when you're in a calorie surplus, um, so basically when your calories are above your maintenance, um, you're going you're gonna to put on a bit of fat. It's just going to have to happen. Um, but at the same time, if you're in a surplus, you're going to be building muscle as well. So what we want to do is, is we want to kind of build as much muscle during the surplus phase as possible. Then that means when we cut back down and get rid of our, when we get rid of the body fat, mm-hmm. we should see a bit more muscle. So every basically the way it works is every every single time or every year I step on stage, I should look a bit bigger 
and have a bit more muscle because I've done a, I've done a, a gaining phase mm-hmm. every single time before I step on stage. Yeah. So, for instance, if you look at the pictures from myself in 2017 and then you look at the pictures of myself in 2019, you can see my shoulders are a bit bigger, my chest is a bit bigger, my back's a bit bigger. Um, if I had my legs out, you'd see my legs were a bit bigger as well. And so your hair is long. I'm also just as lean. So uh-huh. you're leaner and bigger, so you're progressing every single time. No, that's cool. It's just, a lot of people won't understand that. And yeah. I'm, I'm of the belief, please do correct me if I'm wrong, is part of it a lot to do with because you're heavier and you're eating more food, you actually have more energy to train in the gym. So therefore yes. you'll get more um, physical results. Yeah, I mean, like the more energy you've got, the more you can push it in the gym. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. Also, the higher the higher you bring the higher you bring your calories before you start a prep, the higher your calories start on before you start cutting. So you can work with more calories. Right. Okay. For right. instance, last year, last year I was probably on about nineteen hundred to two thousand calories, like at maybe like this point in my prep. Whereas this year I'm on about two thousand six hundred. Because so, you've, um, you've worked that up. Yeah, you're okay. Yeah, and I, as you build more muscle, anyway, you need, you need, your body needs more glycogen. Your body needs more carbs to fuel the muscle. Yeah. Because you've got more muscle to fuel, basically. Yeah. So if, if someone is listening to this and they're thinking, right, I want to go on a, to use the term we don't like, to use a, a bulk phase. A bulk phase. And they suddenly think, right, I'm going to go on a bulk phase. I'm going to eat all the food and put myself in a calorie surplus. What are the kind of parameters that you would recommend for someone doing it for the first time? 10% more, 50% more. What do you think? What I would say is, is um, first of all, let's have a wee look at you. See how you look right now. So if you are fat, like you're proper fat, then I would say 10%. Like no higher than ten percent above your maintenance calories. When you say about if someone's fat, when we're talking body fat percentages, what would that be? So I would sit. So what what is it for a man? Around about fifteen percent is average for a female. Maybe twenty two, twenty three percent. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, judging just by how they look, see, uh-huh. see if you can look at yourself and you can't see a single ab in sight. You yep. probably shouldn't be bulking. Okay, so um, I just want to make it really relative for people listening to this because a lot of people have probably seen topless pictures of me on social media. You probably can't see my abs. Yeah. So I am. would I be classified as fat? So I w- wouldn't need to go into that calorie surplus? You wouldn't, you wouldn't, it wouldn't be, I wouldn't call you fat because I've seen, I've obviously I've seen you when you're top off and stuff like that. I wouldn't uh-huh. call you fat. You do look athletic, Thanks. do you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so what I would say is, is if you are if you were deciding right, I'm going to do a bulk. Um, I would say to you, keep your keep your keep your calories clo- as close to maintenance as possible, but still in a surplus. Okay, yeah. So I just wanted see. to flesh that out for people listening, so as they know yeah. the the relative terms of what is fat for a. Um, men's physique competitor yeah. compared to someone who has never been in this industry. Definitely. The logic behind that is is basically if say for instance you're say sixteen percent body fat, right? Mm-hmm. And you you put your maintenance calories up by thirty percent, right? Um and then by the end of your twelve week bulk you're sitting at twenty one percent body fat, right? You're yeah. gonna it's gonna be a struggle to cut uh-huh. back down because body stage stage 
stage body fat percentage is about between 5% and like 7%. Mm -hmm. So if you're sitting at 20%, man, it's going to be an absolute struggle. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're, you're going to have to do what I did because I absolutely, my, my prep, my bulk last year was, it was too much. I ate too many calories and I got very far. I reckon I was probably sitting at 20%. And okay. that's why I had to do a 16-week prep. Mm -hmm. So the fatter you get on your, um, or the more fat you gain, because I don't like calling people fat, the fatter you get on a, on a bulk, the harder you're going to make your cut. So if you can stay lean, also still build a bit of muscle at the same time, it means when you cut back down, it's, it's not going to be a hard job. Mm -hmm. But if you get really, really, if you put on a lot of fat, then you're going to make the job 10 times harder. Yeah. So what you no, want to be thinking about is how to make it a bit easier for yourself. Yeah, 100%. And it's just, I'm trying to flesh it out. I, I like the saying that nobody, nobody is fat, just everybody has fat. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And the amount of fat that's relative in, in your industry, your part of the fitness industry compared to my part of the fitness industry is, is two very, very different things. Oh, and, you know, yeah, yeah, definitely. I can sit here and say I've never brought or been myself or never brought a client, a male client, anywhere below 10%. And I've yeah. never brought a female client below 20% um, yeah. just because I've never been pushing people towards shows. Um, I kind of look at you guys who do that and think, you know, that, that's your area of expertise and passion. Um, yeah. It's not mine. It's always an area that's uh, interested me. Yeah. Um, so I don't see the need. To, I don't see the need to see apart from my, um, apart from my um, competitive athletes. Mm -hmm. um, I, I wouldn't bring a single client under that. Um, yeah. Maybe, maybe 9% for a male. I, mm -hmm. I mean, that's probably as far as I would go. Yeah. Um, but I've, I've never, like, I've never really pushed, pushed, pushed people to get their body fat that low because, to be honest with you, it's, it's unhealthy. Um, it's not healthy mm -hmm. to like, bring your body to that, um, yeah. that, that body fat percentage. Um, and people should know that as well. You know okay. I mean? So what, what are the health kind of risks and people should be aware of if they're thinking about doing it? Well, it's better the first thing I'll go in is females. Um, mm -hmm. When they bring their body fat super low, they can lose their um, they can lose their cycle basically. Mm -hmm. um, that that's, that for me is definitely the main one. Our yeah. hormones can be flying everywhere as well because their their body fat so low. Yeah. So I, th I think w what's happening now in the industry, in the the men's men and women's physique is because the education and science is a lot better and the understanding is a lot better. Maybe five years ago, a lot of girls especially young girls you know started doing these shows and put themselves in the in in the wrong way in the such a calorie deficit as you say they lost their cycle they stopped having their period and in some yeah. cases that never actually comes back yeah and yeah. they can be pre pretty messed up from that raw physiological point of view um from a, a very early age but the the education is a lot better out there for yeah. for that yeah for sure um any other health kind of risks to look out for um for guys and stuff like that um obviously when you when your body fat is low you've got to, what you've got to think about what protects what protects your organs body fat okay. so all your organs are they're not protected um your liver your kidney everything because your body fat is so low mm -hmm. so you need to take that into account as well yeah so speaking specifically about yourself and when when you're on prep life both nutrition and and training what what do you love about it what do you hate about it uh, do you know the first thing i'm going to say right away, i love, just love being shredded 
Um, it's a good feeling. It's a good feeling to know that you've done something that nobody can say or take away from you. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's just it's something that you've done yourself. You've done every single bit of cardio yourself. You've done every single bit of lifting weights yourself. You've done, well, more, not, not everybody does, but you've done every single bit of food prep yourself. For me personally, because I've prepped myself for this show as well, or the last kind of couple of shows, I did all, I did everything myself. So I did all the nutrition, or the everything, everything myself. Whereas yeah. a lot of people will get a coach. Do you know what I mean? Um, and I just, I, I love, I love the challenge. I, I love it. I love anything that challenges me, anything at all. Um, it's, it's amazing just to go through it, and especially the hard days when you're like, I don't want to be here right now. But do you know what? I'm going to get up and I'm going to do it anyway and go and do my cardio or lift my weights when I feel as if as soon as that bench, that bar comes down, I feel as if it's going to squash me. But it's not. You're just pushing it back up again. But your energy is yeah. so low that at times you feel as if you can't do it. Um, what I hate about prep is just, it's it's probably more so the social aspect. Okay. Um, you go out and you, you with your pals and like you can't eat, well you don't I, I just totally turn on the hermit crab anyway um i don't go out um okay. because it's, it stops me from wanting to have a drink it's, it stops me from wanting to eat that bad food that i shouldn't really be eating not bad yeah. food but the food that isn't in my plan basically because mm-hmm. i'm a strong believer that there isn't a there isn't a single bad food on the planet it's just how much it you eat mm-hmm. um very true but the, I, the, social, the social aspect of not being able to go out with your friends, have a good time and just kind of hang about. So mm-hmm. it's good to be surrounded by people who are also on prep because then you can kind of do the same stuff together. You can go to cinema together with your Tupperware dishes and that sort of <laughs> stuff. <laughs> do you know what I mean? The guy, the, guy, the guy next day is sitting there eating a five guys and you're sitting there with your, your Tupperware with your, your chicken yeah. and your, your chicken and rice and whatever else you've got. That's me. I'm sitting beside you. I don't even care about your five guys. Yeah, the people that's to this can't see how much he squirmed and twitched when he said about five guys. I thought you had shares in five guys at one point when you were doing your gaming phase. As soon as I come off stage at Naba, me and my friend, we drove straight to we drove straight to five guys. I got two burgers and a large chips. It was glorious. It was the best thing ever. And then you had Domino's on the way home. I wish I didn't even get a Domino's. <laughs> I still not had a Domino's, and I've seen oh, that, no. new, that new stuff Crust have just released, and I'm dying for it. <laughs> I, I, I like what you said there about the the social aspect, and there's something very very key that um we could pull out and talk about. It's just you just remove yourself from the situation. So if yeah. you know you're going to have ten, and this goes right across life, not just about food and and, and training and prep and being a personal trainer or doing physique shows it's remove yourself from the situation so you don't go into that environment where you know your willpower is going to be tested yeah yeah you just remove yourself uh, so the, the, the old classic is um when people don't want to eat chocolate and crisps it's like don't buy it because if it's not in your house yeah. you don't hear it in the cupboard yeah. saying yeah. ricky ricky come and eat me come and eat man. Yeah, and then at nine o'clock in the morning, that's okay. I can say no, but if I'm hearing that voice all day, I know come nine p.m. I'm saying yes to that. So it is—it's just removing yourself from the situation. So if, if yeah. you're listening to this and you're finding yourself that you know groups of friends, work colleagues, bring out bad choices that you make, um, like it, it's kind of commonly used on social media, like Fat Friday. 
where yeah, yeah. it's kind of an excuse to go and have a cheesy chip with beans and gravy for your lunch and just like it, it, it makes no sense so you work in an office yeah you don't even move about, you even move about all day yeah you're going to go and eat 2000 calories yeah no i'm not saying yeah. don't ever go and have that meal i'm just saying <laughs> balance it across the week and it's not yeah it's not that you deserve your cheat meal you know you're yeah. you're not a dog <laughs> it's yeah. you yeah. you are making good decisions the whole week and remove yourself from the situation where you know you're going to make bad decisions correct yeah, yeah. it's for, for me i just totally just like get myself right out of that um it stops me from and again what you said as well buying certain things in um for me i'll i'll literally live by every like the, every two days so i don't buy like lots and lots of food at one time uh-huh. just in case i decide right i'm going to I'm going to eat everything in the fridge yeah. or everything in the like anything at all because you can even though you've got all healthy food all healthy food there it can, it can still be damaging because you can still eat too much of it mm-hmm. um for me that's how, that's how i run it anyway yeah so what are your kind of let me come back to the social group because you said there about a lot of your friends do shows as well so um what, what does that look like you know, with your friends doing shows? And have you put some of your clients, you put three shows as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I have uh, two males and two females so far. Um, and I'm prepping another female bikini athlete and I'm prepping another male, two, two more male physical athletes. So this year in total, I've prepped, I think, seven in total. That's good. Yeah, seven, seven people in total I've prepped this year. Yeah, I've, I've obviously seen that on your Instagram. So if people go onto your Instagram, they can they see these clients? They can see them, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Um, and then obviously connect with these clients as well and, and follow their journey because everyone's journey in life is different, but especially in the, the world of physique and bikini shows, it's very, very different. How one person's yeah, prep looks very different because I, I have another friend and she does or has done physique shows. Okay. Um. And she would never, she's very, very, herself is against the gain phase in terms yeah. of going into a calorie surplus. Yeah. But she looks absolutely incredible from yeah. not doing that because that works for her. Um, and what you do by going into the gain phase works. So what I'm saying is if you're looking at Harry's clients or Harry's process, it's just remember it's it's different, different horses. Yeah, yeah. That's what I love about it. Um, like, for instance, I'm, I'm putting seven different people. It's it's like you, you know yourself, you've got clients. The fundamental of fat loss is a calorie deficit. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to prep, when you're finally tuning an athlete, some people work amazing off high carbs, some people work amazing off high fats and high protein, but low carbs. Mm-hmm. And some people work really well with doing hip training, some people work really well with doing like in steady state. Yeah. Everything's different. Some people might not even do, need to do much cardio. They might just say, like, 15,000 steps when you go and just, just do your weight training. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You, you yeah. said that about carbs and fats. That's, that's me and Lindsay. So Lindsay responds very well to a high-carb diet. Yeah. And I respond very badly to carbs. I, you, yeah. know, I, you know, I, I walk past carbs and I put on fat. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas when I eat high-fat foods... That's me on high energy. So when I'm doing my long swims, yes, I'll have some carbs beforehand. Yeah. When it's yeah. high fats, it's it's yeah. oils, avocados, coconuts, fats, because I know that my body works well on that. Um, yeah. And yeah, clients, when it comes to physique shows, they'll all be the same. 
Exactly, and it's, it's as I said, it's like every, everybody's so different in that aspect, but through their diet and the nutrition, and that's what that's what's exciting because every single client's a new challenge for me as well. Mm-hmm. As I said earlier, I love a challenge. Every single client I get, it's, it's a new challenge, so we'll try certain stuff. So that's why I like to do a longer prep with my clients because if one thing doesn't work, right, let's try the next thing. If that doesn't work, let's try this. If that doesn't work, let's try this until we get what we need, and then we just work with that for the rest of the prep mm-hmm. until. How do you find um, the after life phase? The afterlife shit. The after show. <laughs> the after prep phase for you and your clients. People in the industry call that the post show blues. Um, okay. Well, depends how they're feeling. They'll call it the post show blues if they feel sad after it. It's mad. Um, for instance, I've had clients who have went absolutely crazy um, binging, like mad binging like for like three four weeks mm-hmm. and get and gained like seven eight kilos in like three four weeks mm-hmm. um and i've had clients who have just went straight back to the gym just they, they didn't really ever come off it they're just straight back into the gym back doing their cardio back doing their training um what do you think uh, not the first one, so not the binge, because I'm just going to explain why. Mm-hmm. Um, what I tend to find is, is after a client has absolutely binged and went crazy, they all they almost fall into a, they almost slip into a slight, not I wouldn't say depression, <laughs> but they fall into a kind of a, a slight sad period because they've, they've gained this amazing physique, and then in four weeks they've went absolutely mentally food and ruined it. Mm-hmm. So what I try and do, what I try and do with my clients is 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 tell them to like have one or two days after their show where they can kind of do eat what they want, do what they want, get all the foods that they want, get out of the system. But then just get back to your training and your diet and stuff, and then reverse reverse your calories back up the way because they've been down for so long. Yeah, so I was going to pull you on that one. So, like, what are your reverse diet and protocols? I don't, personally, me, I don't, I don't really reverse diet as such. Um, the first thing I would do is pull a bit of cardio out of the diet. Pull, Pull a bit of cardio out of their training. So if I've got a client who's finished on 60 minutes cardio, what mm-hmm. I'll do is, is I'll, I'll put them put them down to 30. Mm-hmm. So then half of the calories that they've had through uh, exerting cardio aren't mm-hmm. there anymore. So now they've got them back. Yeah. Um, and then we'll, what we'll slowly do is we'll slowly start to increase their calories back to maintenance. This is assuming that they're not doing another show. Yeah. Anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Um, so... We'll slowly work them back to maintenance. So if they finish on say a thousand calories, eight hundred calories, depending on who they are, what their weight is, what their prep looks like. If their calories are maintenance, let's say two thousand, we'll slowly work back every week, maybe two hundred, add another two hundred calories in every week. Yeah. Rather than go from one thousand calories in week ten and then week eleven is two thousand calories. Yeah. Yeah. So you would go 1,100 exactly. calories, 1,200 calories, and so on, or to 200 exactly. calories. Yeah. Just, just to so people their... understand what reverse diet is if you're not familiar with the term. Yeah. Just to kind of let their body um, their body adapt back to the diet and adapt back to the extra calories. Mm-hmm. Because if, as you add more carbs in, your body's going to hold a little bit more water. So uh-huh. we don't want to just throw carbs into the body because then water can completely, see, see a lean physique, water can completely change that. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you say for instance you eat 500 grams of carbs your body will hold water um, and in front of your abs there will be water now 
so you'll not see your abs anymore. In front of your shoulder separation, there will be water, so you'll not see the shoulder separation as much. So physically in your head, you think, I'm fat. I've put on so much fat in three, four days. But really, mm-hmm. all you've done is, is you've, you've held a bit of water. Mm-hmm. But what some people do is, is when they've done that post-show binge, is they feel like, I've, I've basically, I've messed it up. I've, I've put on so much fat in two days. Oh, well, just going to keep eating. And then that lasts for four weeks. And then they go, Harry, 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 help. It's sad to understand because people don't realise that, and I didn't realise for a long time, you know, just the effects of, the amount of carbs you eat also has an effect on the amount of water you hold. Yeah. Yeah. So if you, and, and especially, not especially, but, you know, with, with female clients, the way females' hormones, and they, this isn't prep specific, by the way, far from it, the way females' hormones work, and they'll have the times in the month where they eat more food and feel like yeah, they're yeah, eating yeah. more food. And if their hormones are unbalanced, cortisol, um, cortisol levels, estrogen, and they're eating more carbs, they're going to retain more water anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's why that's why your body can look so different, say, on a Wednesday yeah, compared to a Saturday. Definitely. Um, couple that in with maybe a couple of days of maybe you haven't got to the gym and you're retaining more water, you're yeah. going to look completely different. Yeah. And feel completely yeah. different as well. Yeah, I agree. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Um, I, th- I think it would be irresponsible of us not to discuss the the mental side effects of prep life um and doing these shows and because i know it's it's very very closely there's a close relationship if i can call it that uh with anorexia um or to use a term which i heard yesterday bigorexia um which is kind of like body dysmorphia um so what are your experiences either personal with that or from what you've seen uh, bigorexia. Uh, any other anorexia, bigorexia? So, p- for people who don't know what bigorexia is, that's yeah. aff- affectionately when someone looks at themselves in the mirror and cannot see the amount of muscle they have, they still see a skinny person. And anorexia is when they cannot see how skinny they are, they still see a fat person. Um, that's not a, n- none of that was a scientific term. It's kind of just how it's understood. Yeah. I personally think. Um, anybody who like anybody who is currently dealing with anorexia shouldn't shouldn't be doing a competition prep. They, yeah. they shouldn't be doing that at all. They should mm-hmm. be getting their, their their head in the right place first mm-hmm. before before they do anything. Um, I mean, I know there, there's two or three girls um, that compete in the kind of Scottish kind of circuit um, that have had anorexia. Um, Mm-hmm. And they kind of fought against that and got themselves in a better place, and they compete now. Yeah, now they've 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 been through the mental side and the the, the battle, the anorexia battle, if you like, mm-hmm. where they've got themselves in a really good place. They've got themselves into been able to make better choices with their food and and actually getting into their head that they ain't as like as skinny or as fat as they think they are, um, and then competing. So there's these before and after pictures where they're like you can see them like they've got skin and bone, and then there's pictures of them on stage and you're like that is incredible how far they've came. Sometimes I think to myself I've done well I used to be fat and now I'm like on stage looking good and then I see people with like anorexia for example and I'm like oh my god I don't just think about the before and after picture it's the mental side of things that uh-huh. I've always thought about um, and it's amazing how they've they brought themselves from there to here. Do you get yeah. what I mean? 
Bigger Exia, um, I think every single male bodybuilder has got a bit of Bigger Exia, especially when you're cutting. Because, for instance, I started my cut off at 106 kilograms. And now on stage, I was 81.5, I think. So that's like 23 kilos or something like that. Um, but you see yourself and you're like, I'm nowhere near as big as I used to be. I'm tiny. I'm, I'm so small. <laughs> and it just it gets, it gets through your head. It's crazy. Um, it's nuts. Um, but there's, there's a lot of guys who, who have got that kind of bigger exercise type thing. And they're actually they're massive. They're huge, and they still think they're small. Mm-hmm. So they just keep pushing, pushing, and pushing the calories up until they're like absolutely jacked, massive, yeah. 130 kilograms. Do you know what I mean? And they still <laughs> think they're small. Yeah. Um, so it's definitely a thing. Um, I just think it's a bit misunderstood. Um, it is, and it's, it's not really researched too much. <laughs> it's so funny you said that. Um, yes, today, in fact. I recorded a podcast with a colleague of mine and it's all about uh, addiction to exercise and mental health. Um, And one of the big looks he's doing into is he affectionately called it bigorexia and I've kind of jumped on that bandwagon and body dysmorphia and it's how it, it's quite a, it's, it's okay to talk about now what I'm about to say here. I don't want to be taken the wrong way. Like it's okay to talk about girls and anorexia, but yeah, I was going to say that for a girl to admit that, but for yeah. a, a fella to admit I have body dysmorphia because I can't see how big I am, like it, it's a harder conversation to start. Um, so there is research coming out on that, and it, it is okay to talk about that. Yeah, definitely. I think guys have a, a have a very hard time like opening up and telling people about their feelings as well, and it's mm-hmm. it kind of goes back to that kind of. Um, don't know it's all right for not all right for girls to speak about it but it's 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 just for some reason guys think it's, it's not okay to speak about their mental health yeah um yeah you know what i mean like because we are weak we cannot so be sensitive hard. yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah he actually yeah. mike used a, a really good example um and it was if you think of bruce willis and die hard yeah compared to what's his name chris is chris hemp as thor yeah and you look at the have i said chris i don't know what that actor's name is so if you look at bruce hemsworth, Willis, hemsworth that's it um, so chris hemsworth as thor an absolute jack lad and you look at bruce willis which is in die hard you know it's very achievable to get to that kind of body shape whereas to yeah. get to thor's size it's kind of like i you know that's the pressure I now feel under to be a twenty-year-old man in order to yeah, yeah, have, exactly. you know, social standing. Um, yeah. So if you, so if you are listening to this, I mean, like, you don't need to be Thor, you know, be, be diehard. You know, that's yeah. that, that's real. Kind of exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right. So I think this has uh, been really, really good. So we'll kind of round it off. So I want to know is. So if people are listening to this and thinking, you know what, I want to find out more about doing shows and I'd love to find out more with Harry, what, what is it you do for men and females? What do I do? So yeah. um, if somebody comes to me and they say, right, Harry, I want to do a show. So I do everything from their diet, their training, their cardio, their abs, um, 
check in, look at their pictures, decide on shows. Um, totally depending on, totally depending on how they look and like, how far out they look from a show. But mm -hmm. I would help them decide on a show. Yeah. Um, or shows. I, I tend to I tend to try and get my clients to do more than one show. Um, I think sometimes Why is that? can be. Too, I think there sometimes can be too much pressure on doing just the one show. So if you're okay. right, that shows that shows in sixteen weeks. I need to be absolutely ready, shredded, and ready to go in sixteen weeks. Whereas if you stay on stay on like prep, say for between twelve weeks to twenty weeks or whatever, you're ready. You just jump into whatever show you want to jump into. Um, between those times, you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. Maybe like a wee photo shoot as well, just to. Well, you're still in shape. Yeah. So you get can kind of showcase how you look on social media and stuff like that. Yeah, get a new Instagram picture. Yeah. Get a like in. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, so if somebody was to message me saying, "Hi, I'm looking to do a, I'm looking to do a competition trip," first of all, I would kind of see where they're at, um, and like how much muscle they had essentially, if they could fit the category that they want to do. So, with females, you've got bikini and you've got figure. Um, figure tends to be the one where you get you need a bit more muscle. Bikini, not so much unless it's the it's the the trained bikini, which is like the, they've got a lot more muscle for bikini athletes. Whereas figure tends to be a bit more of a muscular shape. Uh, with the guys, physique, um, you don't really need too much muscle for physique to compete in it. Um, but if you were to move up to say, for instance, muscle model, you'd need a lot more muscle. Body build, you would need a shit ton more muscle. Mm -hmm. um, so we would need to look at the person first, decide right, this is what you would fit into. Then decide right, do we need to build a bit more muscle? So then they would start a kind of gaining phase before they would start their competition prep. But if they already had a show in mind, we would kind of we would we would decide right, this is when we're going to start your prep depending on yeah. how they look. And when you're coaching people through it, do you do that live or is it online? So basically, it depends if the person's, um, the person's in Scotland or not. So if they're in Scotland, basically what I do is, is I'll meet up with them um, once a month and I'll take them through like a training session. Um, I'll do a check-in with them, I'll take their body fat measurements and stuff like that. Um, also, each week they'll check in with me through WhatsApp um, so they'll let me know how they're getting on. I basically send them a list on a scale of one to ten. How's your week been? How's your training been? How's your diet been? How's your water intake been? There's about twelve to fifteen questions on it. Then what we'll do is, is for about fifteen to twenty minutes over the weekend when they check in, we'll just kind of have a wee quick chat, see how they're getting on, and then if they had a good week or a perfect week, then brilliant, well done. Um, if whatever we've decided that week. For instance, through their diet and their training and the cardio hasn't worked, they've not dropped fat, they've not dropped weight, then we'll need to make some changes. No, that's good. That's good. Um, well, what, I'm curious, what have been your biggest learnings? It, prep, prep and physique shows aside, what have been your biggest learnings as a PT? What do you mean? Biggest learnings? Yeah, kind of, one of my, well, one of my biggest learnings of being a PT is, <laughs> and if any of my clients are listening to this, this is a direct dig at you. So my biggest learnings as a PT is your clients lie. They lie about <laughs> what they eat. <laughs> they lie about how much exercise they're doing. They're lying about have they done their programs. Um, the other biggest learnings I've had is I remember when I did my level three, I thought I was going to walk into the gym and everyone would want to train with me. And I'd be training yeah. athlete athletes 24-7. 
the reality is you don't train elite athletes. You train people who have very, very limited experience of exercise. Um, so th- there are a couple of my kind of learnings from being a PT. Yeah, definitely the biggest learning for me is, is the difference between everybody. Everybody's different. Um, there's so, so, and this is something in this that kills my soul, right? Absolutely <laughs> kills my soul. So you've got, let's say, Margaret, who's a 40-year-old woman who works in an office, right? And you've got Jane, who's 20 years of age, who, I don't know, she's got an active job, right? For two years, I've got the same diet plan. Two years, I've got the same training plan. But both of, both of their activities, activity levels are different. Their ages are different. So they both need different amounts of calories. Um, and they both probably will have different body shapes as well. So they need, do you know what I mean? They'll need yeah. different, a different approach, essentially. So you've got a lot of coaches out there who'll just throw out the same plan, just keep throwing out the same plan and the same people. Copy-paste. Copy-paste. Yeah, copy-paste, copy-paste, copy-paste. <laughs> I think it, it was called cookie-cutter. Is that what they call it? Cookie-cutter. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Um, that. That's definitely the biggest thing I've realised. Mm. Um, and the biggest thing I've learned is that everybody is so, so different. I'm not going to. I'm not going to lie. When I first started training people, I trained everybody the exact same way for like the first kind of three or four months, and I realised not everybody was getting the same results. So I was like, "Why is this?" So then, obviously, I did a bit more research and then kind of worked out. Hey, I need to make sure I'm changing things up and make sure I'm doing things differently with every single different person. Now, if you look at my day in the gym, you'll never see me training the same client the exact same way. You'll never see me sending out the same training plan or diet plan to a client ever. Um, and I think it's, even though I know that's what I should be doing, but I think it's one of those ones that gives, it gives me the fear to think at any point that somebody, two, some two people may compare their diet plans and training plans and go, well, oh, Harry sent me a plan as well. And then they look at it and then it's the exact same. They're like, oh, I've got the same plan as you. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I just throw my head and I think, like, imagine that happened. <laughs> Do you know what? Do you know what? It's even worse now because people will use Instagram stories and maybe tag you on Instagram. So if, yeah. you know, Jean has this program, which is five sets of five and, you know, 2,000 calories. And then Steve puts it on and it's five sets of five and 2,000 calories. And they both tag you and everyone sees it. And you're like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I, I have heard of that before. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's very, very, um, it's very, very, and then this really happens quite a lot. Yeah. Another thing I would probably say that I've learned is, is training your friends is an absolute nightmare. Nah, don't do it. Don't do it. Training your friends is a nightmare because yeah. they, they see you as a pal and they're kind of like, like, 30 seconds rest, mate. And then the rest for like a minute and a half. You're like, come on. Like, and then it's just a case of like, I can't kind of train you. You need to go, mate. Bye bye. Ah, and and they, they either want it for free or they want discounts. Yeah. I always well. say, I, I, I never, I, to start off with, I used to give stuff for free, but now yeah. I'm like, nah. Because I, the thing is, like, they don't value it. Even if it is your friend, yeah, you're right. Even if it is your friend, you should make them pay something towards it so they're paying money towards the, the service. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily need to go to you. But so they're, they're because unfortunately, we live in a world where people need to make a financial commitment to actually use this, use it. 100%. And put, put any kind of, put anything towards it. 100, 100%. I've um, said that to people before and they fell out with me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, not me. And I mean, as soon as you start giving people discounts, they start to take advantage. And everybody um, wants 
Yeah, exactly. Um, normally I have some kind of quick-fire questions in here. Um, I don't actually have them prepared at the moment. Uh, one of the ones I do have, I always ask people this, and it's the answer is... It all it always makes me smile, and uh, I kind of use it for my own personal gain, if I'm honest. What is the best app you have on your phone that you couldn't live without that isn't Facebook or Instagram or directly social media? Tinder? No, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no. You know the answer that's going to be Domino's when I'm not on Spotify and SoundCloud, 100%. Spotify oh, and SoundCloud. Yeah. Um, Spotify and SoundCloud when I'm on Prep and probably Domino's and Just Eat when I'm not on Prep. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I wanted to ask you? And um, I was going to send you a message about this, um, but we'll just do it here. Is somebody asked me in my Instagram Q&A, what is the best app on their phone for tracking food? For tracking food? Yeah. Um, I would just use my fitness pub. Yeah, um, yeah. It's Why simple because you, the reason for, for my fitness pub is, is because you can scan everything. Mm-hmm. Um, you can scan every single bottle of food that you're eating and then obviously weigh it um, and try it. And it's just, it's on your phone. Everything's there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I, I answered my fitness pal. Um, and my reason is it's the one that is updated with the yeah. most amount of food. As soon as new food Definitely. comes to the market, it's straight in Definitely. there. Nando's is in it. McDonald's is in it. Domino, yeah. uh, Domino's is, is in it. Oh. Probably <laughs> as well as healthier eating places, if I can use that. Yeah. The, the, the thing the thing that gets me with um, my fitness pal though is it's the scanning thing. It's the fact that you can actually scan the barcodes of the food. Yeah. Um. That that means you can literally tag tag. You can you can get any piece of any piece of food on it that yeah. you that you buy. Do you know what I mean? Um. So so simple. And for any PTs listening, what you can do on my fitness pal, you can do this on the free version of my fitness pal. Is you can be friends with your clients on my fitness pal. So you can yeah, then yeah. go in and see what they're inputting. So two things will happen is you'll know when they're lying because they either won't use the thing at all mm-hmm. or they'll be inputting like a thousand calories a day and you've told them to eat 2000 and you just, you know, they're lying. Yeah. Absolutely know they're lying. Yeah. A hundred percent. You know what I mean? Like you can tell because what I tend to do with my clients is, is see when it comes to diet plans and et cetera, I'll say, right, what do you like to eat? So I'll take a list of their foods and I'll create a diet plan based around the foods that they like to eat. And then I'll, I'll just say, look, follow that every day and you, you'll hit your macros every day mm. or your calories every day. Now, if you don't follow that, then what I want you to do is, is I want you to track every single bit of food that you eat. And then, so your 2,000 calorie diet diet is sitting at, what, 1,200 calories. So what you're trying to tell me is you 800 less calories today. Friday, stand on the scales. Their weight is either the same or higher. You're lying. <laughs> <laughs> we know. We already know. <laughs> We're only. <laughs> it's kind of like, like like how girls know everything already, but they ask you anyway. That's the yeah. same with PTs when they ask about your diet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you know what? I, that's definitely. I'm going to use that on Instagram. I'm going to use that oh, as a title. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, All day. <laughs> and, then, and then finally, if if you could have a conversation with your 20 year old self. Um, what advice would you give your 20-year-old self? Uh, literally the start of my fitness journey is when I was 20. Um, so basically, I'll actually I'll, I'll just go over it briefly. Me and five of my pals, do you remember you used to have those big scales you put 20 pence in and it had like a big clock turned right around? Mm-hmm. So 
they were all like 11 stone and 12 stone. So, you know, it's well, it's close maybe like maybe down about halfway. Mm-hmm. And then I stood on it and it was like 18. So it was a way down around like three quarters of the way, 18 and a half stone. Okay. So I was like, right, shit, I need to, I need to deal with this, man. So from that day, I decided, right, I'm going to lose weight. And that's where my fitness journey kind of started. If I could go back and speak to my 20-year-old self right there and then, I wouldn't change anything. I, would, I wouldn't change anything about what I've done because everything that I have done then has led me to the success that I've got now. Yeah. But I would just get myself to push a wee bit harder. <laughs> Train a wee bit harder. Train a wee bit harder, push a wee bit harder, and you may get a first place. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like that because, you, you know, your biggest, your biggest pain is your biggest strength, is your biggest purpose. Yeah, yeah so, you know, if, if, you hadn't, if you had a stepped on the scales there and you had been, like, 12 stone the same as all your mates you probably wouldn't be doing this now you probably wouldn't have exactly. the same drive that you have now if anything maybe instead of sitting at 18 had you been sitting at 19 you might even have more drive exactly <laughs> should have yeah. that extra cheeseburger yeah <laughs> so what would you what would you say to your 19 year old self eat more cheeseburgers eat more dominoes more just keep eating and drinking mate just keep eating yeah. and drinking cool, enjoy it I have really, really enjoyed this um, this chat. I think I have learned a lot, and I know it will be very, very valuable to everyone listening. So just quickly, I will link this all in the show notes anyway. Where can people connect and follow you on social media? So if uh, they can connect through um, Instagram, my Instagram name is Harry Widow. Harry with four R's for some reason. Um, <laughs> so Harry Widow. Um, and through my Facebook page, my business page, it's Hwood Personal Training. So if anybody's interested in online coaching, personal training, boot camps, it's just um, Hwood Personal Training on Facebook or Perfect. on Instagram, either or. I can get back to both people on both. Good. As I said, I'll link them all in the, in the show notes um, and people can connect as they need. Awesome. Good, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure. For me as well. It's been brilliant. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Cheers, mate. Yes. How good was that? I hope you really, really enjoyed that. I learned a lot in that chat with Harry. Um, there's a lot of parts of the physique and bikini and fitness industry, which, you know, I, I'm not in that side of the industry, so I really enjoyed finding out about that. If you're listening to this and you're not in that side of the fitness industry, you've no real desire to put yourself in that industry well hopefully now you've just got a little bit more insight and you can maybe apply some of that logic to your life you know especially towards the end when we spoke about using my fitness pal you know at the start when I talk about the difference between you know the bro split and you know power and strength based training in the gym um really hope there was high value for you in that episode as usual you can reach out to me on any of my social media platforms at regularly long 42 uh tags on your instagram story and screenshots really really help me get my content out there and when my content goes out there i hopefully Hopefully, I'm helping more people. Um, So thank you very much for listening. Any feedback you can give me, any likes and shares across social media, very, very much appreciated. Um, Reminder, our sponsors, Podium for Sports, Northern Ireland Sports Retailer of the Year 2018, specialised in home, schools, and commercial gym equipment. If you could go onto their page, which is at Podium for Sports, do, do that on Instagram. Give them a like, give them a couple of comments. They really, really align with my values, which is helping local business 
that would help me out. That would help them out. And I hope you are having a great day. And I hope this podcast finds you well. And I look forward to seeing you the next time.